0: So glad to see your smiling faces today. Grateful that you have chosen to come and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here today. If you missed last week, we had an incredible Sunday. Pastor Randy Carter was here talking about one of our global impact partners through Kingdom Builders is Priority One and shared just some amazing updates and a powerful word last week. If you missed that, I'd encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Facebook or YouTube or take a listen on Spotify. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series that we've been in for the past number of weeks called Trust and Obey. We've been looking at a letter that Peter wrote to some believers who have been scattered and dispersed and spread to different regions because of the persecution that they had experienced. And he tells them in this letter, he says, you all are chosen people of God. You've been chosen by God. And I would imagine that in the midst of their suffering, maybe hearing those words of we've been chosen by God, but yet we're experiencing this suffering. How does that line up? But he tells them you've been chosen by God. And then he there's this emphasis on behavior and more specifically uh, on holiness. And uh, and so he encourages people to live up to the calling that God has for them, to live up to the standard that Christ Has set, and and he says that when we live up to that standard, it brings glory to God. Think of it this way: for those of you who have children or you have grandchildren, when you're holding your little grandbaby, or when you're holding your child, and that baby is smiling and cooing and awing, and you're like, Oh, that's my boy that's my girl, that's my baby, right? But then all of a sudden this sound happens and this smell occurs that you didn't even know that that sound and that smell could even come out of a human. And now this possessional pronoun changes, right? It's no longer my son or my daughter. Instead, it's babe, your son, your child's diaper needs to be changed. How many know what I'm talking about? The same is true when your kid or your grandkid isn't quite living up to their potential or to the the things that you thought that they should live up to. And again, you look at that and you say, that's not my child, that's your child. And your child has done this or your child has done that. But yet when your kid does something great, when your kid does something great, that was my son playing the bass this morning. In first service, I heard him do this little thing on the base and I just got a giant smile on my face and I looked at him and our eyes met and he smiled and I smiled and guess what? I said, that's my boy. That's my boy right there. And so there was pride in me, like the glory of the good attributes of my son shining through it brings glory to the Father. And to think that Peter says that when we live lives of holiness, when we live lives to the standard that God has for us, then the attributes of our Father shine through us and it brings him glory and praise. Peter's writing that we can't live up to perfection. Nobody can do that, only Jesus can do that. But when we strive for holiness, then it glorifies God and people see his attributes in us. Think of that. People see the attributes, the traits of our heavenly father in us. Hopefully that should be our goal in everything that we say and everything that we do. He wrote that when we live this life of holiness in chapter two, verse number 15, he says that we'll put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This is a high order, but can you imagine if as nasty as people would wanna be to us for loving Jesus, that we lived in such a way that there was absolutely nothing, there wasn't anything that people could say against us. And I'll just tell you, I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, I've not arrived, I'm still a long ways off, but that right there is what I wanna live towards. I wanna live towards that, that the only thing that people could find wrong with me is that I just love Jesus in a way that they didn't want me uh, or think that I should love Jesus. I hope that's what you desire for yourself as well. So Peter's writing this letter while all of them are facing tremendous persecution. And he's saying to them, look, I get it. If there was ever a time or if there was ever a moment where you would have an excuse to let sin slide in your life and and to sin, it would be now. Uh, but he tells them that he doesn't give them any uh, he doesn't give them a pass for it. Instead, he tells them the standard that they're to live up to, even in the midst of the persecution that they're experiencing. So this morning we're going to pick up in First Peter chapter four. Verse number 12, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, First Peter chapter 4, verse number 12, or you can scroll on your digital devices, and right there, it's gonna appear on the screen. Verse number 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and give us the courage, Lord, to realize that your word is so much bigger than us and help us to implement it into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As a society, we have become so accustomed to comfort. In fact, I would imagine that some of you this morning rolled out of your million-thread-count Egyptian cotton sheet bed, right, into a house that was the perfect temperature for you to get out of bed, you maybe walked into the bathroom to lift a lever for your cold shower, your lukewarm shower, or your blazing hot shower, however you prefer, you know, just at the switch of a lever, you're able to get the comfort of that. I want to thank all of you who showered last night or this morning before coming today. Really appreciate that. It makes for a more comfortable experience for all of us. And so then you got dressed and maybe went out to your kitchen where, again, your life is made for comfort. You round up the beans last night and you put them in the coffee maker and you set the timer for the time that you wanted to drink your coffee this morning. And now in your perfectly uh, climated, is, I don't even know that that's the word, in your perfect temperature, whatever, like your house is perfect temperature and your house. and now you go out to your kitchen and now your delicious cup of coffee is awaiting you to pour it out of the pitcher. And then I would imagine that none of you then went outside fed your horses, hitched them up to a buggy, and then maybe at this hour, it's a little warmer outside, and then had to sweat all the way to church this morning. Instead, you got into your car, which again was created for comfort, and you either turned the air conditioning on or the heated seats on, and the heat, depending on how how your body is acclimated to this weather, I'm still using the heated seats right now, you know? The jacket was on this morning. It was chilly at six o'clock, I'm just telling you. It wasn't my winter jacket, it was just my lightweight jacket. Just more details than what some of you wanna know because we are conditioned to be comfortable, right? And then we show up to church and we've got this room that's conditioned for comfort, seats that are conditioned for comfort. And so we can worship God without any real discomfort this morning or without any danger. And so our lives have been conditioned for comfort. What's also happened is not only are we physically conditioned for comfort, we're spiritually conditioned for comfort. And so what happens is when one of those things is out of whack, then it can throw our life into chaos. You know, it can, uh, it, it can, set, us, it can set us off. We don't think about some of these things that I've talked about this morning until they go wrong. This past week, my wife and I and our kids went down to Memphis to celebrate the 4th with my family and I'll just tell you that it was hot. It was hot that I enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? Like the kind of heat that, sweat is just pouring off of you. I'm like, this is amazing. But we are conditioned not for that. And so now it's, it's hot outside. Some of you are like, how hot is it? I'm gonna tell you, I won't say how hot it is from the stage this morning, but I will tell you that there is a place that's just slightly hotter. And so I don't know why anybody in Memphis would not be a follower of Jesus when they realize that eternity could be at a place much hotter than what it is in Memphis, right? And so, uh, they have had storms come back to back the last two weeks and knock out their power. So super hot outside and then super hot inside. Their main level house was 88 degrees this week. And so uh, on Monday when we arrived, that's how hot it was. And so it's hot outside, hot inside. How many know that we noticed Okay, we noticed that the air conditioning wasn't working. We noticed that the inside temperature of the house was not comfortable. There was no reprieve from the heat. As we're conditioned physically for comfort and spiritually for comfort, I would say on the spiritual side, I, I don't know that it's the fault of anybody as much as just the times that we live in. Again, we're able to worship today without really any discomfort or danger. And because of how we're conditioned when we face any type of adversity, right? What happens for some people when they face adversity is they begin to question the goodness and the love of God. And the believers in this time frame, this, the believers that Peter is, it sounded like Daffy Duck just then, but they'll I'm going to keep moving. The believers in this time frame are facing severe persecution. And we are part of the global body of Christ. You realize that the church is not just Cross Point Church, it's not just the churches that are in the community of Waverly or in Iowa or the United States. We are part of the global church. And believers around the world are still facing persecution. The group Open Doors USA figures that 360 million Christians last year lived in countries where persecution was significant. Roughly 5,600 Christians were murdered. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned and another 4,000 plus were kidnapped. In addition, more than 5,000 churches and other religious facilities were destroyed. To put that into perspective, there are more believers living in areas where there is significant persecution than the total number of people living in the United States. And we're part of that church. We're part of the global church. And some of you have been recipients of persecution because of your faith. Maybe there are some of you who haven't faced any persecution because of your faith, but we're all one body. We can stand strong and we can pray with our fellow brothers and sisters in the persecuted church Peter writes in verse number 12, he says, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And he's looking back to the teaching of Jesus and he says, you're facing trials. Why are you surprised by that? Like, don't you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse number 18? Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. He says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus faced suffering and persecution. He was proved genuine. And he tells his followers, if they hated me, they'll hate you. He tells them, if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you on account of me. And he tells them, don't be surprised when these fiery trials come upon you to test you. When we go through trials, it it proves our, our faith is tested and it's proved genuine. And so think of it this way, the gold standard for automakers when, they, uh, when it comes to safety is to receive a five-star crash rating. Can I tell you that I have never one time purchased a car with a five-star crash rating and gone, I can't wait to try this out, boy. I can't wait to see if this lives up to the hype and to the ratings that it's received. No, I've never purchased a car to try to crash it to see what will happen. But I have been in an accident. How many of you have been in an accident? Right, according to Insurance Panda, whether you can trust them or not, automakers know that there is a 70% chance, according to them, that you will be involved in at least one accident during your lifetime. So automakers wanna make cars safer for the chance that it might be wrecked. And so someone has designed the car, engineered the car for safety. They've done the calculations. All of the prep work has gone into it and the vehicle has been manufactured. Yet all of the preparation and all of the appearance of the car doesn't get it that five-star crash rating on its own. And so what has to happen? The only way that that car gets that rating is for the car to be crashed. And when it's crashed, it either passes or fails the test. And Peter writes that our preparation and our appearance doesn't prove our faith genuine. Instead, what proves our faith genuine? Look at it. Testing, that's what proves our faith genuine. And may we be people strong in our faith, built on the foundation of Christ, empowered by the spirit and solidified in his word that when we're tested, when we crash, that we will get the genuineness award from God that our faith survived intact. When he uses this word fiery trial in verse number 12, he's not talking about a fire that destroys. He's talking about the fire that's used to refine or purify us. When gold is mined out of the ground, it isn't pure. There's still other minerals and bits of rocks and metals mixed in. It has to be melted down to a super hot liquid in order to separate the gold from anything that isn't gold. But once it's refined, once it's made pure, then it can be melted again and again to create new things without being destroyed. Job talks about in in Job chapter 23, verse number 10, but he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Sometimes the fiery trials that we face are designed to show us how strong our faith in God can be. There's a, a, a story of a martyr out of the Jesus Freaks, the voice of the martyrs uh, strengthened by Angel's book. And it shares, shares the story of a young man named Ivan who was a soldier in Soviet Russia. He refused to say that God didn't exist. His commanders tried to get him to change his mind, to deny Christ, and they forced him to stand outside and below freezing weather, wearing nothing but thin clothes all night long. When they asked him if he changed his mind, Ivan said no. When they asked if he planned on staying out there all night long, Ivan responded, I don't see how anything else is possible, and God is helping me. Even though Ivan should have frozen to death that night, he knew that God was with him. And even though he was cold, he did not freeze. Instead, he prayed all night long for every single soldier he knew. Ivan went through many more nights of standing in the cold, but many of the soldiers he was praying for became Christians because they saw how his faith in God strengthened him. His faith was proved genuine. And as he passed the test, as he passed the trial, the persecution that he was experiencing, then a number of people who were even inflicting the pain upon him became followers of Jesus. What a powerful story. In verse 13, Peter gives more perspective to this. He says, "...but rejoice in far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed." There is a day coming when we will see the full glory of the Lord. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. One day we'll see the full glory of our Lord face to face. And when we do, every light and momentary trial and test that has tested our faith will be worth it. We can trust and obey God. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Peter continues in verse number 14. He says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, good on you. He says, you are blessed if that's the case because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now, for those of you who are new here, my full name is Jonathan R. Bartholo. I got a middle initial. My twin brother was supposed to be a girl. My parents had a boy's name and a girl's name picked out when two boys came out. Then they mixed the two boys names and gave us initials. There you go. More detailed than the first service got. So there you go. Just have a middle initial. It's not, no, I didn't forget what my middle name is. It's just, uh, it's just a middle initial. My last name is Bartholo, not Bartholomew or any other variation of that, but Bartholo. And I know that none of you know my extended family, but let's just pretend that you did. If any of you were to say to me, oh, you're such a Bartholo." Can I tell you how I'd respond to that? The same way you would if somebody called you by your last name. Thank you. I'd take that as a compliment. You're such a Bartholomew. Thank you. Why, that, that sounds great to me. Why wouldn't everybody want to be a Bartholomew? Now, I'm not really that arrogant, but you're understanding the point here, right? Pastor Dan, what are you laughing at? If someone were to say to you, you're such a Christian, even if they meant it as a knock, what a compliment. Why wouldn't you wanna bear the likeness of the one whose name you carry? It's a compliment and Peter writes, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, it's a good thing. Now I realize that some of you feel so tied up at work of not knowing what you can say and what you you can say, what you can't say. This worry that you would lose your job or miss out on a promotion or be treated poorly. And I just wanna encourage you that if you're gonna suffer at work because of the characteristics of the one whose name you carry, that it actually be that you suffer because of that and not your flesh couched as you being spiritual. And Peter says as much in in the next verse, in verse number 15, he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. What he's saying is that sin leads to suffering and the suffering that sin leads to is not a good thing. Murderers suffer in a couple of different ways. One is they live with the internal turmoil of their conscience haunting them for the rest of their lives because of what they've done. In addition to that, for those that get caught, they'll, they'll suffer physically by being locked up for a time. Sin leads to suffering. And I think back to when I was a kid, my parents uh, disciplined us using the board of education and I turned out all right. On a very, 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 very few occasions, my mom would say to me, why don't you go to your room and think about what you've just done? Now I'm left to my conscience and my thoughts to think about what I've just done. Can I trade that in for two spankings, please? Can we just get this over with? What what torture? Sin leads to suffering. And Peter's saying, live as free people. Live with with a clear conscience. Don't live in the turmoil and suffering of sin. Maybe today there are some of you who are living in suffering in sin. You can make the decision to live free. You can repent of the sin in your life and know that God will forgive you. There might still be some earthly consequences of your sin, but if you've confessed that sin to God, you know that you're forgiven. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 24, he himself, he's speaking of Jesus, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live righteousness. Peter has acknowledged that we may suffer for our own sins, but that Christ died for our sins so that we could die to sin and quit sinning. And in verse 16, he again reiterates that if you're suffering as a Christian, don't be ashamed of that. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And he's already told him this comes with the territory. As we're tested, we win when we glorify God through it. In verse 17, he continues, for it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? We look at this word for judgment to begin at the household of God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32, that, that judgment from God is a good thing. He says, but when we're judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. When we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined. God disciplines those who he loves. It isn't to embarrass us or to inflict unnecessary pain on us. It's to save us. And Peter wraps up this portion in verse number 19. He says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their source to a faithful Creator while doing good. He's saying, Trust God and keep on doing good. God is able to be trusted and should be obeyed. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their source to a faithful Creator while doing good. Now, I'm like most of you. I don't like this word suffering, persecution. I, nobody that I know of is like, oh, give me some of that. But Romans chapter 18, verse 17, Paul writes, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, right? What did Peter say at the beginning of this letter? He says that they are chosen by God. Paul writes that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then look at the benefits. They're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. But look at this clarifying statement, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you." Look, this morning, if you're facing persecution, if you're facing suffering, if you're facing the fiery trials that Peter points out, you're in good company, you're in great company. There are a number of stories of hundreds of thousands of people who have become martyrs for the cause of Christ over the years one such story is of a lady by the name of Lizzie Atwater. She was courageous and hope-filled. And she wrote this letter to her sister, and she was living in China, wrote it to her sister on August 3rd, 1900. Soon afterwards, she died. But this is how she, she said, "'Dear ones, I long for the sight of your faces, but I fear we shall not meet on earth. I'm preparing for the end very quietly and calmly. The Lord is wonderfully near.'" and he will not fail me. I was very restless and excited while there seemed a chance of life, but God has taken away that feeling. And now I just pray for grace to meet the terrible end bravely. The pain will soon be over and oh, the sweetness of the welcome above. She continues, my little baby will go with me. I think God will give it to me in heaven and my dear mother will be so glad to see us. I cannot imagine the Savior's welcome. Oh, that will compensate for all the days of suspense. Dear ones, this is somebody who is about to give her life. Dear ones, live near to God and cling less closely to earth. There's no other way by which we can receive the peace from God, which passes understanding. I must keep calm and still these hours. I do not regret coming to China, but I'm sorry I've done so little. My married life, two precious years, has been so very full of happiness. We will die together, my dear husband and I. I send my love to you all and the dear friends who remember me. This is surely the response of somebody who's living out the call that 1 Peter 4, 19 says to entrust themselves to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Can I just tell you that for those of you in the midst of persecution and suffering and fiery trials, you can entrust your faith in the one who is trustworthy. Continue to trust him and do good. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and to forgive you of your sins. And and for some of you, your conscience and the shame and the guilt from your past is so heavy this morning. And Jesus has given an invitation for you to confess that sin to him, for you to be free from your past and to walk in freedom in the present and the future that he has for you. So maybe there are some of you today who say, I, I want that, I wanna become a follower of Jesus today. I want my sins to be forgiven. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hand all across this room? One. Two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, two, three, you can put them down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There were at least three hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna lead us into prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, you can text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We just wanna encourage you in the decision you've made and the journey that God wants to take you on. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. Just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. Maybe some of you today are facing persecution or suffering. Maybe you're facing the fiery trials. And and for you today, you just want somebody to pray that God would give you the strength to endure and the strength to endure and to bring him glory through it and on the backside of it. To pray for us, worship team is going to lead us in this next song. Prayer team will be at the front. If you need prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. Let's pray, God. We thank you so much for the work of your spirit, Lord, this morning that would set three people free three people who've been living in sin, living as enemies of the cross of Christ, and today that the Holy Spirit would knock on their doors and of their hearts and draw them to you. God, we give you praise for that. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are still far from you, that before they leave today, that they would make a decision to follow after you with everything that's within them. God, we thank you that your grace is enough for us. And so, Lord, for those facing persecution and trials and fiery trials and suffering this morning, I pray that your grace would be enough, that you would give strength to believers to endure in the face of all of that and through it, that your character traits in us would shine bright, that it would bring you glory in all that we say and we do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.